Let's talk about the best strategy for drafting in round two. Up first, Stefan Diggs. Diggs has never had less than 103 receptions during his three seasons in Buffalo. He's also had a top five finish in terms of wide receiver rankings in two of the last three seasons. And I think he's primed to do it again this year. Buffalo scored 27.7 points per game last year, good for third most in the league. And Josh Allen had the ninth most pass attempt. So I think it's clear that Diggs is going to have a heavy role in the red zone, just as he has in the past. Just last year alone, he had 23 red zone targets, good for sixth most in the league. With a big talent gap in terms of pass catchers behind him, I don't think there's much to worry about. Gabe Davis hasn't lived up to the hype. Khalil Shakir is an unknown. And even Deontay Hardy was really more of a return specialist. So I think there's very little doubt that Diggs is going to put up a top five WR finish again this year. The only thing I would be a little mindful of is the fact that Buffalo is trying to be more balanced. They brought in Damian Harris. They brought in Latavius Murray. And James Cook is obviously emerging. So That's one thing to keep an eye on. But at the end of the day, Diggs is very much the number one pass catcher in Buffalo. And this is a high-octane offense. Up at number 14, last year's RB8, Tony Pollard. Man, can he and Dallas both take a collective sigh of relief knowing that the Zach Martin holdout is over. This all but carves out a clear pathway for Pollard to potentially have a top five RB finish. Pollard pretty much set career highs across the board last year in attempts, yards, touchdowns, receptions, receiving yards. And I think he's going to definitely build off of that. He's been pretty healthy besides last year throughout his career and doesn't have that much wear and tear on his body. In his four years, he's been really efficient, averaging 5.1 yards per carry. And I think his cracked fibula is behind him. I think he looks pretty good. He doesn't have too much competition behind him. Deuce Vaughn is definitely on his tail. Not enough to create any issues. Pollard is definitely the workhorse in Dallas. But I think he may lose some receiving work to Deuce Vaughn. But at the end of the day, Pollard may be a bona fide RB1. I think he's one of the people that are being slept on. I don't want to call him the Josh Jacobs of this year. But I mean, he really has the keys to this offense. He's going to get heavy work in the receiving game. And just in general, I feel like they're going to run him into the ground. Given that he's playing on the franchise tag, they may not re-sign him after this year. I highly doubt it. But the reality is we're in a whole different landscape in terms of running backs. And Pollard may be a fantasy darling at the end of this year. I think Dallas is moving towards a more balanced approach. Last year, they weren't even in the top 10 in terms of pass attempts. In 2021, they were fifth overall. So I would expect that trend to continue, especially with the way Dak Prescott threw interceptions last year. I think Pollard is a fine pick at this spot, but he may very well end up in the top 12. Up at number 15, another Dallas Cowboy, C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb finished as a WR5 last year, averaging 17.7 points per game. And I think he's going to pick up right where he left off. He's the unquestioned number one receiver in Dallas. They did bring in Brandon Cooks and they still have Michael Gallup, but they also let go of Dalton Schultz and Ezekiel Elliott. And I think that carves out a clear pathway for C.D. Lamb to have another top five finish in terms of wide receiver rankings. Last year, Lamb ended with the fourth most targets in the league with 156. And I think even with Kellen Moore out of town, Dallas is going to be a pass first offense. So it would not surprise me at all if Lamb gets closer to 170 targets. Up at number 16, Devontae Adams. Adams was one of the biggest steals of the drafts last year. And were it not for this leg injury hanging over him, he'd probably be ranked a little bit higher. Last year was his third straight first-team All-Pro bid, and he did this with Derek Carr and Jared Stidham. That might be his most impressive one yet. He had the second-most targets in the league with 180, and he had the seventh-most red zone targets with 22. So I think he's definitely a bona fide superstar still, and his role in this offense should be very little change. 
Over the last three seasons, Adams has never had lower than a WR3 finish. And I think the fact that Darren Waller is no longer on the team is only going to open things up for him that much more. If they are able to lock down Josh Jacobs, that's only going to help his case because teams are going to have to respect Jacobs and stack the box a little bit. The Raiders did draft Michael Mayers and they signed Jacoby Myers, who will definitely get work, but it's not going to be enough to worry about. Adams is the bona fide number one in this offense, and he should finish within the top 15 overall again. Up at number 17, a guy that I can't seem to talk about enough, Ramondre Stevenson. And were it not for the Zeke Elliott signing, I think he might be ranked even higher. He doesn't have much competition behind him. Obviously, Zeke Elliott, but beyond that, there's just not very much. Ty Montgomery got hurt. Pierre Strong hasn't done much. J.J. Taylor hasn't done too much. I think there's a clear pathway for him to be a workhorse again. He had 69 receptions last year, which was kind of unexpected. He averaged a healthy five yards per carry. And he had the fifth most broken tackles in the league with 24. Stevenson is an absolute monster. In his first game in the preseason, he had 27 yards and a touchdown on four carries. So he's obviously picking up right where he left off. He ran with the ones. And I think they're going to do everything they can to keep him on the field as often as possible. Zeke Elliott may vulture a touchdown or two, but I don't think it's going to be enough to worry about. I would definitely draft Elliott as a handcuff just in case Stevenson were to miss time or be limited. But at the end of the day, this is Stevenson's backfield to lose. There's no doubt the Patriots are going to build their offense around him and continue to run him into the ground. Up at number 18, last year's RB4, Derrick Henry. Henry did what he always does, leads the league in rushing attempts and broken tackles. Last year, he had 349 attempts and 35 broken tackles. And I think there's little doubt he's going to lead those two categories again this year. Unfortunately, he's running behind the league's worst offensive line. So if he wants to continue to dominate, he's going to have to continue to break a lot of tackles. I think what helps him, though, is the fact that the Titans brought in DeAndre Hopkins and have an emerging tight end in Chigaquanquo. Would have been nice if Traylon Burks didn't get hurt. Obviously, you can't control that, but he should be back within the first two weeks. All that means for Henry is that defensive attention is finally going to be spread out a little bit, and teams won't stack the box the way they have been. As always, Henry is a much better pick in standard leagues, but the touchdowns should definitely be there regardless. It was nice to see that he had such a heavy involvement in the receiving game last year. In the past, it seems like the Titans were a little reluctant to do so, but maybe that was a sign of things to come. The one concern I do have for Henry is the fact that he turns 30 years old this year. And that's usually a death sentence for running backs. But if there's anyone that can overcome it, it's the unicorn Henry. Up at number 19, last year's WR21 and the rookie of the year, Garrett Wilson. Garrett Wilson still impresses me for the fact that he did this with Mike White, Joe Flacco, and Zach Wilson. With Aaron Rodgers in the mix, I'd love to see what he can do. He ended up having only four touchdowns last year, and I would expect him to improve on this for sure. He had the ninth most red zone targets with 19, and I think he'll end up around that 2021 mark again. He's a great pick at this point. Some people may wait for him to drop a little bit, but I think if you do want to take a chance on a receiver that has even higher upside around this range, Wilson is your guy. Up at number 20, Jalen Waddle. Waddle still really impressed me last year. With his ability to take such short passes to the house that consistently, it seemed like it wouldn't be sustainable. He led the league with 18.1 yards per catch, and I'm not sure if he can do that again this year, but he should definitely be close. He proved that he can more than coexist with his fellow speedster Tyreek Hill. But the one thing that always makes me a little bit worried is how reliant he is on Tua. In the games he hasn't played with Tua, he's yet to score a touchdown and has seen his yard per catch average drop to 10.8. A pretty steep fall off. So if anything, he really needs Tua to stay upright. And even he himself is dealing with a midsection injury right now, which I hope is minor. 
But coming into the year, you got to give Waddle the respect he deserves coming off of last year's success. I think he's definitely a top 20 play overall. But of course, a lot of that is contingent on Tua, like I mentioned. He definitely has the talent to be in the top 15, but with sharing a workload the way he does, it makes him tough to peg him there. The other thing that really does help him is the fact that Mike Kosicki is gone and the fact that they really didn't upgrade their running game. Miami still just has Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson carrying the bag. And I think those two guys are good, but it's not going to be enough to change the game plan. Tua averages about 30 attempts per game, and I think Miami's definitely going to be pass first now and for the foreseeable future, as long as their two-star wideouts are healthy. Up at number 21, the guy who I believe is the true number one receiver in Cincinnati, T. Higgins. All Higgins has done since coming in the league is average 109 receptions, 1,009 yards, a little more than six touchdowns, and 14.1 yards per catch. These are star quality numbers. And if it wasn't for Jamar Chase, he would be the unquestioned number one on the team. Heck, he'd be the number one on most teams. The one big saving grace for Higgins is the fact that the Bengals passed the ball so much. Joe Burrow had the fifth most passing attempts in the league last year, allowing Higgins to finish as the WR18. And I think there's very little doubt that he'll end up right there again this year. I think he'll probably end up higher than that, to be honest. But at the end of the day, Jamar Chase is still the alpha on this team. Up at number 22, last year's RB3 and the biggest sleeper in all drafts, Josh Jacobs. Jacobs' contract situation is a bit murky right now, but there's little doubt that he's going to show up eventually. Jacobs had a traditional workhorse role all year round last year. What really helps his cause is the fact that he had 40 rushing attempts in the red zone last year, the sixth most in the league, and he was able to punch in nine of them. That's very promising going into this year. I fully expect him to get a similar number of attempts, and there's no reason why he won't score that same number of touchdowns, if not a little bit more. I think the Raiders will explore Zamir White a little bit more, which could affect his workload somewhat. But at the end of the day, Jacobs is definitely the best running back on this roster. The Raiders do have the second hardest schedule, but I mean, they're far too talented not to be in games. I fully expect them to lean on Jacobs heavily throughout the year, and especially if they have leads. Last year, we saw that be a problem consistently. And I think if they do have a lead, they're going to do what they can to ice other teams, which should mean a lot of attempts for Jacobs. The one thing that does leave me a little bit concerned is the head coach. You just never know with Josh McDaniels. If Josh Jacobs manages to fall out of favor with McDaniels, you may see guys like Brandon Bolden and Amir Abdullah even eat into his workload. Up at number 23, Chris Olave. Man, can Ohio State produce receivers. Ironically enough, Olave has another Ohio State receiver on the other side of him in Michael Thomas. But Jackson Smith and Jigba looks like the real deal. Marvin Harrison looks like the real deal. Even Garrett Wilson last year. It seems like whoever comes out of Ohio State resets the bar. I think Olave had a wonderful rookie season, going over 1,000 yards, was 12th in the league with 14.5 yards per catch, and had four touchdowns. And this was all with Andy Dalton. I think with Derek Carr throwing him the ball, he's definitely going to break out this year. The only people behind him and Thomas are A.T. Perry, Traquan Smith, Juwan Johnson, and of course, Alvin Kamara, but Kamara is suspended for the first three games. So I think Olave is all but a lock to be the X receiver in this offense throughout the year. The one thing to be a little mindful of with Olave is injury risk. Last year, he had a concussion and also dealt with a hamstring injury. Hopefully those are behind him and he can just continue to build off of the progress he had last year. Rounding out our list at 24, Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith finished as a WR9 last year. And from weeks 13 through 18, he was a WR4. 
He likely would have finished higher had he not had such an awful week one performance where he scored zero points. Smith saw a big jump in his reception total from his rookie season going from 64 to 95. And I can see him ending up around that 95 number again this year. Jalen Hurts has proven that he's a legitimate quarterback in this league. And with A.J. Brown on the other side and Dallas Goddard in the tight end position, I think there's very little doubt that Smith is going to be able to get a very consistent workload and establish a safe weekly floor. He's a great person to pick at this spot. If he falls into the top of the third, that's even better. I don't think he will, but if you're able to get him there, that's a great value. That's my strategy for drafting in the second round. Please subscribe and let me know who you think should or should not be on this list in the comments below.